0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus Exodus chapter 3. I'd like to read a few verses from the story of Moses, Exodus chapter 3, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, uh, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the land of Egypt, and the Egyptians, and to bring them up into, uh, out of that land, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, Jebusites, and now the city of the Israelites has reached me. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now Go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so, Father, we just thank you for your spirit and your presence that is here, and that you want to speak to us. Lord, we know the power of your word. We know that one word can change our hearts, change our lives. And so, Lord, we haven't come today to listen to an individual. We've come to listen to you. Father, we're hungry for the word of the Lord. And so speak to us today, I pray. Uh, Just pray. Come through all of our preconceived ideas, Lord God. And just, and just speak a word into our hearts and into our lives that will change us. That, Father, there's something will be set in motion today that will change our lives, change our destiny. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We're in a series we began last week uh, entitled Called to Serve. Uh, and in this series, we're looking at this whole topic of Calling and purpose. One of the things that we believe as Christians uh, is that we're not here by accident. Can I hear an Amen? Uh, we we don't believe that we are the product of some big cosmic bang. Uh, we believe that we were created for purpose and that God has a plan and a purpose for our, our lives. And I believe uh, that there's nothing greater that we can do with our lives than to discover that purpose, discover why it is that God has created us and to serve his purpose in our lives key verse for the series. We looked at it last week. It's just a great verse. I love it. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Now, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Uh, After he had served the purposes of God in his generation, the Bible says, well, he fell asleep. He didn't fall asleep. He died. Uh, and, and, And there's so much uh, in this particular verse, it says that David served God's purpose. Uh, that means that God had a purpose for David's life, that David wasn't an accident, that God didn't just you know, just kind of create David haphazardly, that God had given him certain talents and certain gifts because he had a purpose for his life. And I want you to know that God has a purpose for our life, that God hasn't created us by accident, that he's given us just the right amount of gifts and just the right amount of talents to do the work that he has created us to do. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he created us to do. So he's given us just the right abilities and just the right amount of talents to do the work which he's created us to do. So often we're looking at everybody else's gifts. So often we're looking at everybody else's talents. So often we're looking at what everybody else has got. If God wanted you to have that, he he would have given that to you to serve his purpose. But what, what his purpose is for your life is different to what he has for somebody else. So stop looking at everybody else. Focus on what God has given you. Because what God has given you is, is perfect for what He wants you to do. It also says that David served God's purpose. David could have served his own purpose. David could have served someone else's purpose. Instead, he made a decision to serve the purposes of God. The greatest thing that we can do in our lives is make a decision to serve God and to serve His will to know His will and to obey His will. The Bible says, we looked at this verse last week, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, put God first and He will give you the desires of your heart. Some of us are looking for meaning and purpose and and joy and so on. We will find that as we serve the purposes of God in our generation. Notice that there's one other word in there, uh, that word serve. Uh, David served the purposes of God. David didn't tell God what he wanted to do. David didn't dictate the terms. He was a servant. A servant doesn't tell their master what they want to do. A servant is told what to do. A servant says, well, what would you like me to do? A servant abdicates their will for the will of the master, for the will of whoever it is that they're serving. David served the purposes of God. He surrendered his will to the will of God. There's something very powerful about that. And servant speaks about a hard attitude. We're going to talk about that in, a, in the next couple of weeks. I don't know about you, but if there's something that I want to do with my life, it's to serve the purposes of God. It's be who God has called me to be. Do what God has called me to do and discern and obey the will of God. Can I, can I hear an amen somewhere? If there's something I want to do with my life, it's to serve the purposes of God. It's to know the will of God and, 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 and to be obedient to what God has called me to do. What will it profit if we get to the end of our lives and done a whole bunch of things, but it wasn't what God had called us to do? I want to serve the purposes of God because I believe there's nothing greater that we can do with our lives. Now, here's the problem. Very few people discover that God-given purpose in life. Very few people discover what that actually is. And so this series is really about unpacking this whole theme and helping us to understand that. And my prayer over the next few weeks is that we will get a revelation of the fact that God has a plan for our life. We already looked at that last week, Psalm 139, that God knit us together in our mother's womb, that he, that he, that he, that he formed us and shaped us for purpose. But more than that, that God will begin to speak to us, that God will begin to release the gifts and the talents and ministries in our lives. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will begin to call out the giftings that are inside of us. Because I, I, I believe that there are, there are ministries that are yet to be called out of the church. I, I believe that there are gifts and ministries that are, that are yet to be called out of His people. My prayer is, as as we look at this, that we will get a greater understanding of that. And that will begin to serve His purposes in our generation. So like David, we will serve the purposes of God. Question is, how do we discover that purpose? That's the question. Well, last week we looked at a few principles uh, to help us answer that question. Today I want to address the same question, but from a completely different perspective. Um, one of the things that I believe is that most people, especially those that have been coming to church for some time, um, want to be used by God. Most people understand that they are not an accident, that God has a plan for their lives, that God has wired them up in a unique way, but they don't know how to discover that plan. Uh, I, I, I believe that the majority of people that, 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 that are part of you know, the church and understand that, yes, okay, I, wa- I, I, wasn't, I didn't evolve, God created me, but, but how do we discover that plan and, and that purpose? We're not 100% sure. So to help us unpack this, we're going to look at the calling of one of the great leaders of the Old Testament. His name was Moses. Uh, And in particular, I want to debunk a couple of myths about discovering our purpose, uh, because people have these preconceived ideas about what this looks like. And I want to give you at least one key principle to help us tap into the call of God in our lives. The story of Moses is recounted in the book of Exodus. Moses was born at a time when Uh, Pharaoh ordered all Jewish boys be killed at birth. He was a little bit concerned that the Jewish people were actually growing so fast and um, the nation was getting bigger and bigger. And so he makes a decision that all of the Jewish boys were to be killed. Moses' mum decided to put him in a basket and float him down the Nile River. Just so happens that when she does this, uh, Pharaoh's daughter was bathing there She sees the baby in this basket, falls in love with the baby, and decides to keep it. So uh, Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's home from that particular situation by the providence of God. Uh, Moses always knew that he was there to help the people of Israel. He knew there was always he always knew that there was something different about his life. And um, so one day, this is when he was a lot older, around 40 years of age, uh, he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And so to solve the problem, he has this fit of rage and he kills the Egyptian. Murder. Moses. <clears throat> day after he sees two Israelites uh, fighting. Uh, and he says to the two Israelites, you know, what are you guys doing fighting? And, um, they said to him, well, who made you our judge? Are you going to kill us as well? Well, Moses was a little bit worried because obviously word had got around that he had killed this Egyptian and, uh buried him and uh, so uh, he was a bit worried that Pharaoh would end up finding out that he had actually killed this and and this Egyptian and so that it would be the end of his life and so what Moses does is he flees into the desert and so for the next 40 years uh, he became a shepherd tending sheep through the desert First 40 years of his life was spent in Egypt, uh, adopted into Pharaoh's home. Uh, second 40 years or second stage of his life, 40 years, he spends in the desert. And all this looked like it was just random. All of this looked like it was just coincidental. But God was actually preparing Moses for his purpose. It was there in the desert where God was doing some of his greatest work. Moses was right. God had called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was was, uh, God who had called Moses to lead the people of Israel. But Moses wasn't ready yet. Where God prepared him was in the desert while he was tending sheep for about 40 years. One day, uh, while he's there uh, just uh, walking through the desert, he sees a burning bush. Uh, This wasn't unusual in those times. Sometimes uh, uh, trees would kind of spontaneously start burning there in the desert. But what was interesting about this particular bush was that uh, it wasn't, it, it didn't stop burning. It just kept on burning. So Moses goes over to this bush and God begins to speak to him through that bush. Anybody have a tree, speak to them ever. Anybody, if greenies in the congregation. Uh, God said to him, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I usually tell people when they walk into my office, it's probably best you take your shoes off because, well, God begins to speak to him about leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, rather than be excited about this, uh, Moses begins to give him excuse after excuse as to why he wasn't the right guy for the job. Um, You kind of get that through the text. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. Uh, in the end, Moses obeys. Uh, God actually gets angry with him. I mean, he ticks God off and, and, and God gets angry. And Moses thinks, well, I probably better obey. Otherwise, it's probably going to you know, burn me up or something, you know. And so as we read the story, we know that Moses became one of the great leaders of Israel. And God used him in a powerful way. So what do we learn from Moses' calling? What do we learn from Moses' calling? There's a number of things we learn. One of them is it exposes a couple of myths about discovering our calling. It exposes a couple of myths about discovering why God has placed us here on earth. How many people would like to know why God has placed them here on earth? First is, uh, we need to, the first myth that, that this exposes or Moses' story exposes is that uh, we need to have an encounter with God to discover our calling. It's the first myth need to have an encounter with God. In other words, there's this thought that God needs to appear to me miraculously and then I'll know what God wants me to do. You know, um, in the story, it's exactly what happened to Moses. God speaks to him through a burning bush and reveals his plan uh, for his life. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of calling I want to have. It would be nice if God would appear to me in some unusual kind of way, in some miraculous kind of way, and and then I would know exactly what I'm called to do. Come on, can I hear an amen somewhere? Um, Maybe, maybe I don't know what that miraculous thing would look like for you, but maybe, you know, your dog starts talking to you or something like that. Now that would be unusual, wouldn't it? Big time. Um, maybe an angel appears to me or an angel appears or something and says, hello, I've been sent to tell you exactly what, what, what you need to do. That's the kind of calling that I want. If God appeared to me like that, then, 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 I, would, then I would be clear about what it is I'm meant to do with my life. I, I know that if I had that kind of a calling, then I would commit myself to it. And that's what I would do with my life. But Notice, no, notice Moses' reaction. You read chapter 3, 4, and you'll find that Moses' reaction is disbelief. Starts coming up with all these excuses for why God couldn't use him. Um, If if it happened to you and me, I I don't know, but if it happened to me, I would would fall on my knees and say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to serve you. Um, Moses starts coming up with all these excuses for why God couldn't use him. Uh, 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 so evidently, a dramatic calling is not as effective as we might think it, it, it might be. Um, and and I, I really believe this. Discovering our calling is not so much about where we serve, but how we serve. It, you know, we're, we're always looking for where am I going to serve? What is the thing you've called me to? I'm just looking for that dramatic calling that's going to revolutionize my life. I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for God to speak to me Somehow. And, and we think when that happens, then I'm going to be clear and then I'm, going to, then I'm going to know exactly what I need to do and then I'll start doing that. Some of us are waiting for our dog to speak to us. You know what I'm saying? Good luck. <laughs> Discovering our calling is not so much about where we serve, but how we serve. And one of the prerequisites is a humble servant heart. It's just serving the Lord. It's another myth that people have regarding their calling. And that is, um, I need to have it all together before God will reveal His plan for my life. Here's here's another another thought that people have that, well, before God reveals His plan to my life, I kind of need to have it all together. There's this thought that the reason why God hasn't revealed it just yet is because I still got some issues I'm dealing with in my life. You know, we're not emotionally ready, spiritually ready. Um, we've still got stuff that we're dealing with. Uh, we don't know enough about the Bible. If, if we knew more about the Bible, then, then maybe God would, would, would speak to me about what He wants me to do. When I get closer to God, then, then, then God is going to reveal His purposes uh, to me. Well, God appears to Moses in a dramatic way. And and Moses pulls out every excuse as to why he wasn't ready. It's a a beautiful uh, text and and great to look at in and of itself. Um, He gave the kind of excuses we often give as to why God might not want to use us. The first thing he says, look at verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? One of the things that we often say when, when, when you know, we talk about calling and, and maybe fulfilling the purposes of God in our life, we, one of the thoughts, the thoughts that comes to our mind is, well, who am I? Who am I that I should be used by God? Who am I? What have I got to offer? I, I love the way God responds to Moses. He says to him, I'm not going to use you because of you. God says, I am with you. In other words, if we're ever used by God, it's not because we've got it all together. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of something that's happening. It's because of God. It's by His grace and for His glory. It's about God speaking through us. It's about God using us for His glory. God reminds him and says, listen, if you're going to do anything great for me, it's because I am with you. Then there's verse 13, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What shall I tell him? And and Moses was kind of saying, well, I've got nothing to say. What am I going to say to these guys? How am I going to answer their questions? What what, what am I going to say? And often when we look at ourselves and we say, okay, God, you want to use me, but but what what am I going to say? What, What have I got to offer, Lord God? I don't think I've got anything to offer. Exodus verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, uh, the Lord do not appear to you? Moses was kind of saying, what if I fail? One of the reasons why people never take a step of faith in being used by God, why, why, why people never take the risk or take, take a step out, is because they're afraid of failing. Fear of failure. Moses then says in verse 10, Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken to your servant. I'm slow to speech and tongue. And there he there he is. Oh, what am, you know, I can't speak. I'm not that good. You know, really, what? 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 what why would you use someone like me? I, I I don't think I'm good enough to be used by you. What if someone asks me a tricky question? What am I going to answer? And God is speaking to him every single time. He answers him back. And then and then uh, Moses pulls out the big guns. He says, "Oh Lord." Please send someone else to do it. There it is right there. I mean, you know, here, here he is. Um, it's, it's excuse after excuse after excuse. And then he pulls out the girl, Oh, God, please send somebody else to do it. He just has God speaking to him through a burning bush. He's talking to God through a burning bush, which is pretty miraculous. And here he is coming up with excuse after excuse why he's not ready to be used by God. Despite how Moses felt about himself, God saw him with completely different eyes. How many of us disqualify ourselves because of how we see ourselves? We have too many issues. We don't have it together. We don't have abilities. We're dysfunctional. We have a bad past. We made some big mistakes. How could, how could God ever use someone like me? We've, we've, we've done some really big mistakes. Well, Moses was a murderer. And God still caused him to lead the people of Israel. What a testimony to the grace and the mercy of God. God doesn't use us because of our righteousness. It's his righteousness. It's by his grace and for his glory. Some people think that in order to be used by God, they need to be ready. I need to be ready. I need to have it together. As far as Moses was concerned, he wasn't ready. I mean, as Moses looked at himself, he said, I'm not ready to be used by God burning bush or no burning bush, as he looked at himself, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to be used by God. But despite what he thought about himself, how he saw himself, God saw him with completely different eyes. In fact, he was as ready as ever to be used by God. His excuses revealed something about the brokenness in his heart in this, in this situation, that he had gone from this self-confident 40-year-old who thought he was ready to lead Israel to this 80-year-old now who was broken and humble, who was at the end of himself. It's just beautiful. It's a complete transformation in in Moses' life. At 40 years old, he was ready. Yeah, I'm ready to lead the people of Israel. He was was confident in himself. And by the time he gets to 80, he's lost all of that confidence. And God says, now we're ready. What God is looking for inside of us is not self-confidence, it's God-confidence. It's not self-esteem. It's not, it's not us relying on ourselves. It's us learning to rely on God. Because if we can do anything at all for God, it's because of His grace. You see, God is more interested in character than calling. And at times, God will break us Again, the breaking is not to destroy us, but to prepare us for what God is about to do. And it was during those 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years while, while he was there tending sheep, that God was breaking his heart, that God was preparing him for what he's about to do in the next phase of his life. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Just a few simple thoughts here. Um, most of us believe that in order to be used by God, we need to have a dramatic calling. Oh, God, if you would just, you know, if you would just give me that, that word, that, that if, if you would just do something dramatic, God, then I would know that you've called me and you were telling me what to do. Evidently, it didn't do Moses a lot of good. Some of us think, well, we just have it all together. Lord, you know, when I've got it all together, then, 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 then you can use me. Moses reminds us that neither of those two things will help us. Moses felt he wasn't ready to be used by God. Instead, God used him anyway. (laughs) I love that. All right, so how do we discover our calling? So if we we don't need a dramatic call, uh, we don't feel like we need to be ready, um, then how do we discover our calling? What's the key? I believe it's a lot more simple than we think it is. Moses teaches us a simple principle. Moses is giving God all these excuses as to why it couldn't be used by God. Here's here's one that I read before. What if they don't believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? Now, listen carefully how God responds to him. Listen carefully how God responds to Moses. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Notice what God says to Moses. Moses is giving excuse after excuse. He says to him, Well, what have you got in your hands? And Moses says, well, what I've got in my hands is a staff, it's a stick, it's a piece of wood. It's a simple question. And yet it was a profound question. You see, the key to discovering our call is in our hands. The key to discovering our call is what we do with what God has already placed in our hands. And and here's the point, you can write this down in your notes, be faithful with what God has placed in our hand, in your hand. Why would God give us a greater assignment when we're not faithful with what is placed in our hands? Some people are praying, oh God, what is my call? Am I next Billy Graham, darling check? God says, be diligent with what is in your hands. Some of us are looking somewhere else for that call. Some of us are looking somewhere in, in I don't know where, for that call. God is saying, well, what have you got in your hands? Pastor but you don't understand. I'm just a mom at the moment. Nothing world-changing or dramatic about being just a mum, but be diligent with what is in your hands. Come on, church. Be diligent with what is in your hands. That's what God is looking for. Serve your children with faithfulness. Impart to them the ways of the Lord. Pray for them every single day that God is going to protect their hearts and their minds in the name of Jesus. How many people know we need to pray for our children in our day and age? that God is going to protect their hearts and their minds in the name of Jesus. Oh, Pastor Joe, but that's not dramatic. God isn't asking us for something dramatic. God is asking us to be faithful with what is placed in our hands. Who knows that you don't have a Moses in your home? Can you imagine if Moses' mum said, well, I'm just waiting for my call. I'm just, waiting. I'm just waiting for the dramatic call. I'm just waiting for a burning bush, something to happen, really great. Imagine if that's what she was. Imagine if her concept of a calling was something like that. Instead, I believe she was a godly woman. I believe she was a praying woman. I believe that she was a woman who was sensitive to the Spirit of God. And one time as she's thinking about this dilemma that's happening, that her son might actually end up dying. I believe she gets a prompting by the Holy Spirit. Why don't you put a basket together and float him down the Nile? Now, I can assure you that that was the the word of the Lord for her. And as she obeys the call of God, as she's faithful with what God had placed in her hands, God uses her to grow up, to be the mother of a great leader, Moses. Some of you are saying, I'm just an employee, nothing great about that. Be diligent with what is in your hands. Come on, church, be diligent with what is in your hands. The Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Some of us are serving in a certain workplace, in a certain thing that we're doing. And we're kind of going, well, I'm just waiting for my calling. I'm just filling in time while I wait for my calling. God tells us, be diligent with what is in your hands. Serve where you are, not as if you're serving your boss, but serve as if you're serving the Lord himself. Who knows that God has not placed you there for such a time as this? Who knows that God is not preparing you for the next step, but because you despise where you are, you will never know what the next step is because you're not being faithful with what God has placed in your hand. Some people say, God, I want to do something spiritual. You know what I mean? something that's going to affect people's destinies, you know, sounds spiritual, something that's going to impact eternity, something powerful, spiritual. Well, God says to us, be diligent with what is in your hands. One of the things that God has placed in our hands is the local church, whose mission is to change people's destinies and lives. And God is saying, you want to discover your grand call? Well, be diligent with what is in your hands, Here we have the local church where we can be a part of and serve in in some capacity. And, and, And God is saying, well, here it is. Here's where you can start. See, there's this romance about a grand calling, but what is in our hands requires diligence and responsibility and discipline. Be diligent with serving in the local church. Find your place in the body of Christ. And begin to serve in that area. And as you begin to serve, as you begin to be faithful with what God has placed in your hands, then God will tell you what happens next. Then God will tell you what the next assignment is going to be. I tell people all the time, the key to discovering our call is not the burning bush experience. It's pretty simple. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart. Be faithful in the little and God will entrust you with more. It begins with a desire to be used by God. God, I want to do something with, 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 with my life. God, I recognize that you've created me. I recognize that you've placed me here for such a time as this. I recognize that, Lord God, I want to serve your, pers- your purposes. That's number one. Number two, be faithful with whatever God has placed in your hands. Whatever your hands find to do, just do it with all your heart. Be faithful in the little, and then God will entrust you with more. Why would God give us a greater responsibility? When we're not diligent, whether he's already given us, why would God give us a greater assignment when we're not faithful with a little assignment? The Bible tells a story of the parables of the talents. One had five, one had one had five, one had two, one had one. And the person with the five and two talents invested their talent, it gained a return. The person with the one buried it and said, This is too small, I can't do anything with this. And God said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, and he took even that one away from him. Not because he only had one talent. God didn't come to him and say, Oh, you've only got one talent, have you? Oh, well, that's not very good. And then put him aside. No, it wasn't because he only had one talent. It's because of what he did with what was in his hand. question that God is asking us is what are we doing with what God has placed in our hands? So many of us are looking for calling out there. We're looking for that burning bush experience. We're waiting to be ready when God is just saying, hey, listen, it's a lot more simple than that. What have you got in your hands? Be diligent and faithful with what he has given you. And then God will tell you what to do next. And God will tell you what to do next. One of the things that we have in our hands is our relationship with God. The Bible says that Moses was a humble man and he would talk to God face to face. Where did he learn that? He learned that in the 40 years when he was in the desert. So many times we go to God only for what we we can get from God. I need this, I need that. I'm waiting for my burning bush experience. Nothing wrong with presenting our needs to God. The Bible tells us to do that. But what God wants more than anything else is just a relationship with us. It's in our hands. Oh, if God would speak to me, oh, if God would speak to me, then, then I would know. God speaks to us through his word. Come on, what, what, what do we have in our hands? We've actually got his word in our hands. Some of us are waiting for something else when God is just saying, hey, why don't you read your Bible? Some of us are saying, oh God, I just, I just want to know what your will is. Well, 95% of the will of God for us is right there in his word. Some of us are saying, I just want God to speak to me. But we're not willing to take the responsibility to, to, to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? There's no shortcuts to that. I'm sorry. God hasn't got an app just yet. I'm I'm sure he's working on it. It, It'll be great when God gets an app because he'll just send us messages all of a sudden. You know, we send in our question, he sends a reply. Hasn't happened yet. How do we learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? It's really, really simple. You learn to spend time with God. It's day in and day out, just spending time in the presence of God and just saying, God, I love you. God, it's just so good to spend time with you. Lord, I'm going through this right now. Lord, what do you think I should do with this situation? Lord, I know you've created me. Lord, I don't know what that is, but I I just want you to know that I want to serve your purposes in my general. As we begin to pray like that, we begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Joe, but I, I don't know if it's my, me or it's God or it's, it's, it's the devil or somebody else or, the, or whatever it is. But you learn as you spend time with God, you will learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Be diligent with what is in your hands. I remember one time I was going through a season in my life. I was struggling to hear the voice of God. I don't always get it right even now. Sometimes what I think is the Holy Spirit is the pizza I had the night before or the Chinese. Sorry, it's the curry. Okay, okay. I don't want to just. I don't want to pick on the Chinese here. So I started reading books, you know, listening to sermons. How to hear the voice of God? How to hear the, you know, sermon after sermon, and they all say the same kind of things. Eventually, listen. There's no shortcuts to listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The way you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is spend time with God. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. The more time you spend with God, the, the more you will, your ears will start to tune in to his voice. Lord, I'm just looking for that burning bush. Oh God, just waiting for that burning bush. Be diligent with what is in your hands. Because it's as we begin to spend time with God, God begins to speak to us about the things he wants to do in and through our lives. People say, you know, I just feel like I'm a Titty Jakes. I just feel that there's a dormant Titty Jakes inside of me. Uh, I listen to Titty Jakes a lot. I love his preaching. I just love his passion as he preached. Any Titty Jakes fans out here? Yeah, come on. He's just he's powerful. Um, and I've listened to enough of his sermons to hear his story. He tells his story again and again. One of the things he says, the reason why I'm here is because I was faithful in the little things. Uh, He was was a faithful servant when no one knew him. He tells the story of, you know, his first church, there was a handful of people in there. He says, I was the pastor. He says, I was the worship leader. I was the usher. I I was the deacon. I was the board. He says, I was everything in that church. Nobody knew him. And yet he would preach with faithfulness in the name of Jesus. And he would preach as if he was preaching to a thousand people. He would just rock up week in and week out and preach as if he was preaching to to the multitudes. And he would be faithful with just a little. And because he was faithful with a little, then God had trusted him with just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And here he is today. The key is what are we doing with what's in our hands? Come on, church. What, What does that look like in practice? What that looks like in practice is develop your relationship with God. <laughs> just, just, just learn to cultivate your relationship with God. Every day, just try and spend some time with God. Just talk to God about what's happening in your life. Just learn to cultivate your relationship with God. You want to know why God has created you? Ask the Creator. You want to know why God has put you here on earth? Ask Him. He will tell you. He's, he's dying to tell you. He's, he's in the Garden of Eden and he's, and he's saying, Adam, where are you? Where are you? There's some stuff I want to I tell you. It's God, uh, 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 Revelation 3.20, he's knocking on the door of our heart and he's saying, listen, come in. I, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. There's so much I want to say to you. And boy, we're so busy. We're so busy doing stuff, stuff that's really, really, really important. And God is saying, just come. Wherever you work, serve diligently as if you're serving the Lord be a servant at home. Christianity starts at home. Find a place to serve in the local church. It's in our hands. We're ready to go. Be faithful in the little and God will entrust you with more. So God appears to Moses. Thanks, Tim. God appears to Moses in a burning bush and tells him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Moses gives God a list of excuses why he couldn't do it. God asks him a simple question. Moses, what do you got in your hand? Moses says, I have a staff. God says, listen, God says to him, I can use a staff. I can use a staff. After this long discussion, God gets angry with Moses. Moses finally obeys. Listen to this verse. Listen carefully. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. This was no longer just a staff. When, when God asked Moses, what do you got in yet? I got a staff. This was no longer just a staff. Now it was a staff of God. How do we discover our calling? Church, it's not through some dramatic calling or a feeling ready. It comes through being diligent with what God has placed in our hands. When we give to God what is in our hands, He does some great things with it. For Moses, the staff in his hand was just a piece of wood. But in God's hand, it became a miracle worker. That same staff, part of the Red Sea, that, staff, that same stuff it was no longer just the staff, it was the staff of God. For David, the slingshot in his hand was just a toy, but the slingshot of God became a giant killer. For the young boy, the bread and fish was just a sandwich, but when he gave it to God, it fed the multitudes. For Paul, the pen and the paper was just a letter to a friend, but in God's hand, it was the Word of God. And God is asking us the simple question, what's in your hand? Oh, Pastor Joe, I I, I run a business. Well, why don't you put the business in God's hands and see what He can do with it? Remember what I said last week. I said when we use our gifts, you know, uh, for ourselves, it's, it's a career, but when we use our gifts for a higher calling, it becomes a calling for a higher purpose. Why don't we put what God has given us in His hands, and allow Him to use, because when we do, God can do some great things. Question, what do we have in our hands? What do we have in our hands? Be faithful and diligent with what God has placed in your hands. He'll tell you what to do next in the name of Jesus. Will you stand with me? I pray this word will speak to us today. I pray this word will debunk some myths in the name of Jesus. I pray this word will change something in our hearts and lives. I could tell you, um, been in this church over 50 years and uh, I look at many of the leaders that are in this church. Um, Some of them might've had a burning bush experience, I don't know. They, you know, some of them might've had that kind of a burning bush experience. But the majority of them, listen carefully, They've just been faithful with what God has placed in their hands. Some of them assert for years in different situations here in church. They've just been faithful with God, with what God has placed in their hands, and God has used them in a powerful way. Imagine what would happen to this church if we started to give God what He's placed in our hands. And say, okay, God, you've created me for purpose. I want to know what that is. Okay, these are the things I'm involved in. I'm going to be diligent with what you've given me. I'm going to start to get involved with the local church. I'm going to get, start getting involved with something that is, that is bigger than I am. Just allow God to use you. It'll be powerful and amazing. And so, Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you're the one that calls. You're the one that gives gifts. You're the one that has ordained that we should be here. You're the one that uh, has done great and mighty things in our hearts and in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray, would you use us? Father, the psalmist says, uh, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would, you, would, you would help us to see our life, not from our own perspective, but from the perspective of eternity, Lord God. And that, Father, our focus would shift from ourselves onto you, Lord God. You created us. Reveal your purposes to our hearts and lives, I pray. Lord, I just thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the gifts that are here, the ministries that that you've ordained in this church, Lord God. I just pray that you would begin to release them in the name of Jesus. And that this church would not just be another church, would not just be a statistic, but this church would serve your purposes in our generation. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, it's been great to have you in church this morning. If there are people that need prayer, I'll be here at the front more than happy to pray for you. God bless you, have a great rest of the day and week in Jesus name. See you Friday Wednesday night, prayer.